The world's best trainers start with NASM. Become a certified personal trainer today and experience the newest, most up-to-date, and most revolutionary program ever developed. Start changing people's lives through education and help them reach their goal of living healthier and happier lives. As an NASM personal trainer, you're getting the best certification, tools, online learning platform, customer support, and more in the fitness industry. The time is now. It's quick, easy, and affordable to follow your passion for fitness. Click the link in the show description or call 1-800-460-6276 to become an NASM Certified Personal Trainer today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of our Strong Mind, Strong Body podcast. I'm your host, Angie Miller, and today we are going to do a tapas style of training. So you know how sometimes you're short on time, but you want to get some quick information, kind of like a quick bite to eat. So I have a friend and industry expert on with me today. His name is Andy Hanley. Andy is the owner of High Performance. He is also an NASM master instructor and somebody who I like to call a friend. So welcome, Andy. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Congratulations on this uh, incredible podcast. Yeah, well, you know what? And Andy's a good, uh, he's a good guy for brevity. He can give it to you in a nutshell and keep you wanting more. So I thought he would be the perfect guy for this segment. So in terms of tapas style training, Andy and I were talking about what are two things that personal trainers are kind of most interested in knowing? And they're both about programming. And the first one we want to talk about is Programming made simple because I think for a lot of trainers, one of the biggest concerns is they're spending so much time on programming and they're losing their minds thinking, how do I, you know, have 20 clients on my, on my uh, schedule, but not spend, you know, another 45 hours designing programs to meet the needs of each of those clients. How do I get my programming done short and simple? So Andy, what are your thoughts when you say, you know, programming made simple? What's one of the first things that's come to your comes to your mind? Well, the reality is, uh, I mean, I guess I'm coming from a context of I've worked with high school football teams, professional organizations. I'm big on personal training. I've uh, got quite a bit of experience in like the group fitness arena. So I've been in every trench and I know how challenging it can be to really fix your program around individual clients. And for me, when I got into industry originally, I was, I used to spend hours upon hours really trying to fine tune my, you know, my, my programming. And, and I really wanted to make sure I was delivering a really high, high quality product, quote unquote, to my clients, because you go through the education, you, you, you garner all this knowledge and you want to see how can I get all this done within this three, six or eight week program to make sure that, ultimately my clients elicit the best results possible. What I quickly learned is while yes, we need a roadmap and we need a framework. The reality is when we sit down and we write programs, it's our best guess. It's our current best guess as to what our clients or team, for example, might need two, three, four weeks or five weeks out. And, and that realization, it took me a few years to kind of come and hit home hard, but I found myself on week three or week four of a program. And suddenly I was overtraining some guys and under training others based on how quickly they adapted to the certain training, uh, whether or not they've missed a few sessions based on illness or other issues. Um, so programming made simple for me is 
like similar to what this podcast is, we talk about tapas style training. It's programming in shorter, more consolidated blocks where we're working off smaller deliverables. And it's just easy for us to be a little bit more fluid and adaptable uh, during the process. Yeah. It's kind of like when you're, you know, you're writing out, like you said, these three, six, eight week programs. It's like writing uh, when I taught university students and writing a syllabus for an entire semester and trying to think ahead of what were those 16 weeks going to look like. It's yeah. that same concept is that conceptually when you have the science and the education, you think you can lay out this program. But when you're working with human beings, it ends up playing out very differently because everybody adapts to the training differently, like you said. So for some, they ended up overtraining and for others, they're waiting for more. No, and that's it. I think you nailed it on the head. You need to understand, and it comes back to the, your periodization first. You need to understand it conceptually, but in my opinion, then learn how to apply it fluidly. And for me, it kind of just, it, it uncomplicates the process, so to speak, um, because the reality is like we look at the OPT model, for example, it's progressive in nature. Yes, we want to make sure that we're moving the dial, that we're moving our clients in the right intended direction, but it, there's also got to be a reactive element there. Like sometimes, as I said, unforeseen circumstances, some guys guys might be blowing through the program. Um, and then just having that ability to kind of see it as it is, make adjustments and play calls and really just coach on demand. So sometimes you've got to be willing to take a step back from the program and say, okay, I know the direction I'm on. I know my intended focus or theme or training emphasis of this day was X, Y, and Z. But I think my client's readiness to train today is just, it's just not where it needs to be. And I'm going to, you know, take action and, and do what I do best. And that's be a coach. Yeah. And, you know, I always say rigidity is nobody's friend. So, you know, if we get married to a way of doing something and we get into that should mindset of it should look like this, because this is what I had planned. Then when we go in there, we're not very adaptable. We're not really seeing our client in that moment. We're seeing a plan, but we're not really being flexible. But don't you think that a lot of that comes from experience and time and, you know, kind of that whole knowledge and expertise piece, because, it's really hard to think in the moment when you're new to training, just like it's really hard to think in the moment when you're teaching a course for the first time or you're presenting at a convention. You know, you have this game plan and then you get into the room and there's 50 people and you have all different types of questions and experiences going on. And so the, this plays into all different roles. But what do you think when it comes to those new trainers? What's their best recourse as far as being adaptable in the moment? That's a, that's a great question. And it's true. Like you need, while we need to be adaptable, we still need to have a plan. It's like if I'm leaving from Fort Lauderdale to drive south to Miami, back in the day we used roadmaps. Now it's sat nav, whatever the case may be. We know where we're going. Now there might be an accident on the road. There might be a detour and we've got to make adjustments. And training for me, it's very similar and it's no different. Like, yes, we need to have a program in place. So any new coach coming into the field or whether you've been in it a few years, you need to have that because that lays the framework and foundation of where you're going. But it's just... I mean, for me, I'm kind of blessed. I'm just pretty intuitive in that I see how well my clients are responding to stress. I can read body language. We're also, we're, I'm also communicating during the session too. So objectively, I know what I want to um, achieve. But then there's that subjective level too, where I'm asking my guys how they're feeling. I'm asking, can you rate that last set on a, a scale of perceived exertion? And with this information, it allows me just to make more informed decisions regarding whether or not we're going to do our sixth set or whether we're going to pull it back and just leave a little bit more in the tank for tomorrow. Yeah. 
I think that's a great way of putting it. It's just, you know, you don't have to throw out the whole thing, but you do have to maybe adapt little components of it. And you're right, rate of perceived exertion versus, you know, we said we were going to work at, you know, 80%. Well, how does your client actually feel in that moment? And maybe it's okay to let go of that sixth cent and do something else in between, or maybe have a longer rest period, right? Completely. And that's why you start adjusting or manipulating the acute variables. And that's what makes our job so fun. I mean, for me, programming and strength training on a daily basis or a weekly basis, it's this game of stimulus and response. It's our job to apply stimulus. And then depending on how well we do it, will determine how well their body responds to it. So in that moment on the fly, we get to make these game time decisions. Now, other ways you can do this is, let's say, as per our textbook or what we've learned calls for, we're now in phase two and we're looking for a three by 10. Well, you might program three by eight to 12. And what that does, is it gives your clients autonomy to say, well, I'm feeling pretty good today. I don't want to stop at 10. I've got two more reps in me. On another day, if they've come in and they're a little underprepared or their readiness to train isn't where it should be, they might make that decision to auto-regulate and stop at eight. So there's different kinds of tools and tactics that we can use as coaches to, you know, give our clients ownership of their program as well and make it more of an involved process. Yeah, I think that's 100% because I think empowerment is key. I think that when it comes down to it, when it comes down to the nitty gritty, they need to have a say in some of that. They need to feel like they're taking ownership of that program. And a lot of times if you give somebody the option and you say, you know, I'm going to let you, you know, if you're done after set six, that's okay. Then they're like, oh, no, I'm going to show you I can do one more set. But if it's more of like resistance against resistance, then sometimes people are going to want to bow out because they feel like they're being forced or they feel like you're pushing them beyond what they're capable of. Not completely, completely. And that's it. And that's why we talk about coaching. It's the art of communication. It's the art and the science. Like we know what sort of training overload or stimulus, stimulus that we need to apply to get said response. But it's also being able to just make those adjustments and read the situation for what it is. Some days our guys are going to come in and to your point, they're going to want to go harder. And sometimes we just have to support that. Hey, when you're on, we're on. We'll we'll, yeah. we'll out that extra work. Other days we need to know when to back off. And that's just the nature of this being, you know, that's why these guys hire coaches. We're there to guide and facilitate the process. We're there to lay the framework, lay the roadmap, but ultimately they're the driver and they should have input into how they want to take that session on any given day. And that comes down with just as you said, it's empowerment, it's them taking ownership. And also it's just educating, like, this is the phase of training we're in. Here's why we're doing it. Here's what you should expect to experience. This is how I want you to kind of self-monitor and regulate your efforts. Um, because this is the training outcome we're trying to get. And what happens then is when it becomes a two-way process, you'll find just through communication and collaboration, you know, training results tend to increase a lot faster. You know, it yeah. really build buy-in and build rapport between the coach and the client. I love that. I think that's important that you say that too, is just that educational component is it doesn't have to be a secret what phase two is. Why can't our clients know exactly what phase two is and understand what we're expecting in phase two so that they have a better understanding of what the ultimate goal of the program is, right? So mm -hmm. our deliverables match. It's, it would be like me, you know, teaching a college course, but not giving them a syllabus. They don't know what to expect. And so it, that's kind of a disconcerting feeling when you're not really sure. I always like for things to be 